Mindless Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushell. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. This week, we are joined in studio by a very special guest. So hello, as always, to Paul Bushell. Hello. Yeah, it's so very, very nice to welcome Lauren Shapiro into the studio today. Lauren is an author as well as a journalist and has written a very raw and real account of perinatal distress. Now, the book's called Through the Window, How I Beat PND. First of all, we welcome you to Kindness Can. Thank you. It's amazing, amazing to be here. I must be honest, I didn't know that there was such a thing as perinatal distress. I always, of course, we know about the baby blues and the post um, kind of anxiety and distress once the baby has come. But this was an eye opener for me. So take us back. I mean, tell us your story. So like you, I had no clue (laughs) that this could happen before you've had the baby. I also didn't manifest traditional depressive symptoms. Uh, I wasn't lying in bed all day. I wasn't crying all the time. So I thought I couldn't possibly be depressed. Meanwhile, my anxiety levels were going through the roof. And if I had known about more and more about PND, then I probably would have gotten help a lot sooner. And that's why I'm on this uh, campaign now to spread the word, because apparently the stats are one in 10 mothers that have prenatal. So like I had while I was still pregnant and one in three have PND overall. And that includes after the baby. Now, this wasn't your first pregnancy, right? No, I'd had two perfect pregnancies and two beautiful little boys, and I was so keen to be pregnant again. I was so excited when we fell pregnant, and then, you know, the morning sickness hit and the first trimester fatigue hit, which I was expecting, but then it didn't lift, and instead of feeling a little bit more alive and energetic and excited and grateful as I had in the other pregnancies, this cloud just sort of came down and I kept kept blaming it on preggy hormones. No, it's just first trimester stuff. We're going to turn the corner any minute. Um, it's, it's nothing, but it was getting worse and worse. And when it got to the stage where I knew something was out of control, I was too afraid and ashamed to tell anyone yeah can we pause for a moment and and sort of unpack what some of those experiences or what some of those symptoms were for you of course okay so it started as i said sort of insidiously it's hard to say when it started looking back now it was probably from the get-go was probably from when I fell pregnant. However, we only kind of recognized it towards the end of the first trimester. So what happened was slowly the color started to seep out of life. Mm. And I stopped laughing Mm. and I stopped wanting to communicate. I stopped wanting to go out. Um, Work, which I love my work, and work became such a stress and a drain and a chore. And I think the worst manifestation and the part that upset me the most then and now is that my feelings for my children changed. Mm. I still loved them, absolutely, but, oh, they got under my skin. I couldn't interact with them properly. And I, I realized that this was me, 
that this wasn't them because their behavior didn't change. They were still naughty and did all the things that little boys do. But whereas before I could laugh at it, at least afterwards, now I couldn't. It would drive me insane and I would end up having panic attacks and sobbing for hours because of a confrontation with my three-year-old. And I knew that that couldn't be right. But I was too scared and too fearful to tell anyone, even my husband, who I've always had an amazingly open relationship with. I, I was afraid to tell him that his wife was going crazy. As I'm listening to you talk, you know, those, what we would generally characterize, and of course it manifests uh, in different ways for every person, but those general space of depression and anxiety and how when those feelings arrive, uh, how it just blurs. It's a wonderful description how the color of life just starts to seep out. Uh, it affects all of our reactions to our life, uh, and it becomes so heavy that our primary response often is to just want to withdraw. Absolutely. That's exactly what I wanted to do. In fact, um, I actually contemplated withdrawing permanently, <laughs> um, and I'm very, very glad that I didn't. I can only imagine when hearing you speak like this that, First of all, the shame, okay? That's the emotion that I can only imagine. But the guilt as well. Absolutely. Stewing in your own shame and stewing in your own guilt. Which just makes it worse and compounds everything. And then you get this vicious circle going further and further and further down. And you feel like you're going further and further away from understanding and help. And you feel like you're a lost cause. Mm. When actually you're not. And if if you could recognize this for what it is. It's a psychological mental illness that can be treated. Uh, then you can, you can sort it out. Mm. I mean, I just think back to having a two-year-old and twins mm. and how sometimes the overwhelm would grip me by the throat and mm. I, would, I would sweat the small stuff and I would spin completely out of it and then I would get into bed at the end of the day and have my own guilt and my own shame and tomorrow would be different, but it wouldn't be. Mm. And that's the worst because to a certain degree, I battled with depression after my twins because they were twins. I carried two. I had serotonin, um, a lack of serotonin. So I went into a serotonin replacement. Mm-hmm. But there were certainly days where I thought, I don't know if I'm going to ever be able to break this. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to step out into the clearing and see the blessing as opposed to the, oh, my gosh, I'm being crushed by this overwhelm. Look, I think motherhood is challenging for everyone. Um, to be honest, I can't speak for everyone, but I think it's really, really hard for mm. everyone, mm. which is why we need so much more support and kindness <laughs> appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's a, a level of degree. And once you cross a certain point, whether it's a, a chemical tipping point or just a spot on the journey from which you, you can't, you feel you can't come back. I think that's when it switches from difficulty, which all moms need support for, and illness, which needs to be treated Treated. immediately. Right. Because in your book, you speak about that moment where you're in the bath, right? And that was the low point. That was the, if I don't get out this bath, well, then everything will, you know, it will be different. I won't be here. There is that moment. So... In saying that motherhood is hard and we have days where we push to capacity and sometimes breaking point, was that the point where you thought, Flip, this isn't just me making a mountain out of a molehill? There were a few lowest points. It wasn't a, a straight journey, so I kind of 
hit rock bottom and bounced back a little and then hit another rock bottom. The part you're talking about was when I was already in hospital. I only agreed to be hospitalized after another low point uh, in a panic attack where I had, I suppose you call it an hallucination. And after that, I said, you know what, just do what you need to do, drug me, lock me up, whatever. And they did. <laughs> and I'm grateful now that they did because the treatment worked. And here I am today, like loving life, thriving, three beautiful children. And yeah, delighted to be here sharing the kindness. Yeah. Let's go back to some of the moments that led up to the hospitalization. Mm. So what was that first flip? This is this is not just me being melodramatic here. I think I journaled a lot. I always have. And it became even more obsessive and extreme as I slipped away from wanting to connect to real society. I would, you know, spew it all into my journal and which is wonderful. Thank so, you. Yeah, which is a really, really wonderful technique. Um, and if you're listening and you're going through any emotional distress, I think journaling is a fantastic technique because sometimes we don't have all the right words uh, or the right person in that moment to share this with. And just externalizing it allows you to sometimes see it for what it is um, and kind of get a gauge of, of how serious or not serious or how rational or how irrational some of this stuff is and then make better decisions with it. So, so I'm interjecting there, but I just really want to highlight the value of that. But yeah. I agree. And the externalizing, I think, is so important because for me, my brain became very foggy and fuzzy and there was a lot of ugly stuff churning there. And to me, when I journaled, I could also get it out of my brain and onto the page, mm. um, even if just for a few minutes before new bad stuff came or the, the bad stuff came back. But I found that it was a relief and a release, mm -hmm. trying to get this awfulness out of me and onto something that I could close the cover of. Sure. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I want to highlight something that you said in there, which is so important, is that out of my brain, mm. uh, as opposed to out of me. Uh, and, and it's important oh. to separate that because sometimes a lot of these narratives, these voices, and these very judgmental, critical, shaming type voices, that's your brain at play. Uh, with all sorts of cognitive distortions, negativity, biases. Mm. It's picking up on all of that and it wants to kind of ruminate on it. And when we externalize it and we see that this is my brain at play here, and this is not me, it's not my soul, it's not my being, it's not my inner mom, okay? It's not her voice in this moment. We can start to kind of separate it out and hopefully find ways to, to set it free or ask for help with it. Or that, that's separating it from ourself. I think it's so important on the parenting journey sometimes. It's so, so hard, though. Hard. I've had a lot of therapy during which um, I was helped to speak back to the voices and to quieten them mm. and eventually to kick them out. Mm -hmm. But it, it took many, many months and it was a very tough journey. And I don't think I could have done it without the support of my therapist. Mm. So journaling, you, you realize that you were removing yourself from spaces where you had to deal with people, mm. becoming a lot more isolated, but purging, purging, purging. Purging, and yet it would come back, um, which is why I say the therapy was so important. Journaling was hugely cathartic, but I don't think it would have been enough. But back to, you said, where, where, were the, where was the first down, the first real low? I journaled something that when I read back made me want to vomit 
Um, I was disgusted with myself. Um, I wrote about changing my younger son's nappy, and I had this image of taking a knife to him and then wondering afterwards, sort of, what's the word, um, mulling over this action uh, quite removedly, quite, um, not clinically, but just like I wasn't there. It wasn't me. And when I read back what I'd written, I that that for me was the, the big red flag. But I was ashamed to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the shame, you've got the guilt, and now I assume the self-loathing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm goosebumps. Mm-hmm. At this stage, are you talking to your husband about this? At this stage, are you telling him this is what no. I thought today? So this is all no. trapped you. This is yours. Absolutely. This yeah. is my cross to bear. In quiet. Well, I'm, I'm Jewish, alone. but yes, yes. <laughs> metaphorically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was a low moment. Like, okay, this is not how a mother should be thinking about her child. Now, there are two children in the home, right? And one on the way. And one on the way. Yeah. Okay, so where to from here? Well, I just went further down, 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 because I didn't see any other way. Um, my husband and I have always had a very open, supporting relationship. So there's no reason in my case that I couldn't talk to him about it. Uh, there was nothing stopping me except myself. Yeah, I was about to say, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yourself starts to kick in and, and stops that process because of the shame, because of the guilt, because this is insane, right? Exactly. Yeah. And when you feel like you're going crazy, you feel like there's no hope. Uh, you can never be helped. You've now gone off the rails and that's you. You're done. I started feeling very upset and sad for my husband and children and greater family and friends because I thought, oh, you know, they'll hopefully they'll be a little bit sad when I'm, you know, messed up or gone. But I, at that stage, had no uh, inkling, no, no notion that I could come back from this. And I think that is what is so debilitating about some mental illnesses. And it certainly was for me. I could not separate enough to see it for what it was um you know when you have flu you can see that this is some i'm not a medical doctor but it's something in my system that's going to come out and then you'll get back to your normal life it doesn't affect your ability to love and to connect whereas mental illness at least for me and i know for many you don't have that vision of the future. You don't have that hope. You think that this is it. You're dead mentally already, and soon the rest will follow. Mm. So how is this impacting on your marriage and your mothering to your children in the day today? I was very short-tempered. I was very stressed. I would fly off the handle at the smallest things, which was very unlike me. My husband was... I can say this because he's admitted it since publicly. He was in complete denial. He just said, oh, preggy hormones, first trimester, we'll get through it. Um, So he gave me space, which was probably not what I needed. But in all other cases in my life, when I had been stressed, space worked. Mm. So he was doing what he thought was best. And he was also very accommodating. If I blew up even at him... He would say, okay, all right, fine, whatever I did, I'm sorry, and then he'd give me space. So as amazing as he was, it wasn't actually helpful because he didn't know what needed to be done. And 
although now he admits he kind of thought it was worse than just preggy hormones, he was too much in denial and too scared to confront this thing to go and seek help. And had he sought help, someone would have helped him to support me in a more appropriate way because he would have known how. For me, as you're talking, I'll, I'll, I'll go back a paragraph or two. It's that the stigma around mental health and, and it's maintained by this this inability of ours as a society to separate ourself mm. uh, from mental health. Uh, and that's why there's so much shame and judgment around it and so much silence on it um, and denial of it because we often put the two together. That yeah. if no one judges you yeah, if, if you have flu. Exactly. But if I'm depressed or I'm anxious. Pull yourself um, together, Paul. Yeah. Mm. Just okay. be positive. This is a Think re- positive. This is a reflection mm. of mm. me being a bad person in some way or not a strong enough person in some way or mm. incapable in some way. Yeah. And we need to separate that out, that the experience that you were going through was in no way your choice. Mm. Uh, it was a medical experience, for, for want of a better phrase. And we have to separate it in the same way that we would a physical medical experience. And when we start to do that as a society, it will become far easier to ask for help um, and encourage our partners to get help without feeling like we're putting this big judgment on them Absolutely. as opposed to what they're going through. And I think also when people realize just how common it is. then One in three and one in ten. Exactly. That is a lot of women to be experiencing this. You you are not alone if you're going through this. So whenever I meet new moms now, I always ask, how are you doing? There's plenty of people cooing over the baby and asking if the baby's okay and they're taking them to the ped and the baby's usually fine. But no one asks how the mom is doing. So it typically goes like this. I see someone and I say, oh, lovely baby, how are you doing? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. It's such a blessing. It's so wonderful. And I say to them, really? Because I, you know, really struggled with parts of motherhood. And then the response is, oh, yeah, well, you know, it Mm. can get pretty tough. And I said, I had full-blown P&D. I was drugged and locked up in a hospital. It It was awful. And then it opens up. Yeah. So it's that facade. As a mother uh, and as a parent that we have to, society demands us to be excited and happy uh, and okay and what a blessing this all is. Whereas in reality, human beings, at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of chemical and emotional and personal social stuff that's going on behind all of that. And we need to be real about it. Exactly. Back to blessings. (laughs) I've always been told count your blessings and I'm pretty good at it. And during the PND, when things got worse... I could note down my blessings and I would write down lists and lists and lists of them to try to be able to count them in a meaningful way. And there was no joy, no gratitude, no connection to these things that rationally I knew were absolute blessings. Mm -hmm. And it was only very far into the recovery period that I wrote this gratitude, daily gratitude journal and felt something. Mm -hmm. Someone said something to me the other day, and I mean, I'm such a, a bow at the bounty, and then and I kneel at gratitude every day. Mm-hmm. But someone said to me the other day, which really made me sit back and think that they said, gratitude is a luxury. I was like, wow, wow, that is a really interesting way in putting it. And you've just tapped on that again. When you are so deep in the hallows of You're that darkness, that there is no light coming in, you can write that down. But to feel something... Is a completely different energy field that might have been a luxury. 
See, that's the thing. I, it, I was not capable of feeling the counting of the blessings. Mm. And as much as I tried and I put in a lot of effort, my brain, my chemicals, whatever you want to call it, were not working properly. When your brain functions properly, you can make healthy choices, such as focusing on your blessings and not your hardships. Mm -hmm. You can't blame everything on brain chemistry. You do the, when, when your brain is healthy, you have to take charge of your life and make healthy decisions and things like that. But you can't do that when your brain is not healthy and when your brain will not allow you to do things. Yeah. So how long was, was the PND? I mean, in its entirety... So, as I say, looking back, it probably started immediately when I fell pregnant. Things really got bad at three or four months. Mm -hmm. And it lasted pretty much until the birth, but getting slowly better each day. And after the birth, of course, everyone was watching over me like hawks, waiting for it to come back. And there were some tough moments, as there are for all new moms, even if you've done it a couple of times before, as I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. But that was kind of the turning point. The birth. Yeah. I assume fearful of yeah. the birth because mm -hmm. what happens if the baby comes and I still feel like this? Or what happens if I never return back to who I was before this? Mm, absolutely. But as I say, therapy helped me prepare a lot for that. And in, in the book, I really go into depth um, because, as I say, I took no, I was like taking notes. I was journaling all the way through. And I hoped to, hoped to be able to recount this process of the therapy so that somebody can, who reading it can relate to and see why the therapy is so important and why it's a journey and why it's not just take a pill. There we go. Now your hormone levels are fine. You're happy. Off you go. It's not like that. Yeah. The med medical is an absolutely crucial part of it, but there's a lot more work to be done. Currently, people talk about the biopsychosocial model of approaching mental illness, and the bio is the medicine side, if needed. In my case, it absolutely was. The psycho is the therapy side. In my case, absolutely needed. And the social is the part that I think is most lacking in our society and most accessible, actually, if people, and again, this is why it's so important to talk about this, and thank you so much for, for focusing on this in Pregnancy Awareness Week, because if people speak about it and know about it, then they can help. To me, kindness is based in empathy. Mm. When you can f try to feel what someone is going through, your ability to be kind and to support them increases manyfold. And again, that's why I hope that through this book, people will be able to understand what someone is going through when they go through PND mm -hmm. and therefore how they can be more of a support. Sure. I've had since, since it's been out, I've had quite a few people come up to me and say, I threw this book at my husband and said, read it. And he did. And he got it. He got it. Oh, that's amazing. The thought that sort of jumps to mind for me as you're talking, when you look back on that time of your life, how do you manage some of the, the judgment and the feelings of shame and guilt that arise and, and stop them from coming into the here and now and into your parenting style? Because I'm sure a lot of uh, women who go through this, they start to think, well, 
how did this have an impact on my child in vitro? And I wasn't there for them during this wonderful experience. And all those really mm-hmm. judgy, unkind mm-hmm. thoughts, I'm sure, pop into your mind. And those thoughts become our feelings. And those feelings become our behavior. And they start affecting our parenting style, often not for the good. Absolutely. Uh, and I thought maybe you could just touch on that a little bit. I think that's even more prevalent for postnatal depression sufferers because they feel like they've lost out on the early stages of their child's life. But for me, it, it was... A shame to lose the pregnancy connection, um, which started coming back. And by the end, if, if anyone here is a Judy Bloom fan, anyone heard of it? Um, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Mm. So I found myself talking and writing to my baby. Are you there, Butterbean? It's me, Mommy. Mm. Butterbean, because that's what the first scan kind of looked like. And I transcribed all of those things in the book to try to show people how I was trying so hard to connect with this essentially fetus at the time and at the beginning I really couldn't and by the end I was almost having conversations (laughs) so I think that in through therapy and through practice I was able to start separating the shame and the guilt and those feelings and those incapacities from myself. And looking back now, I am not ashamed. And that's why I am here to speak to everybody to say, please don't be ashamed. It is absolutely overcomable. And it's a part of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I feel quite strongly about that, that on the parenting journey, the journey you're making with your children, it's inevitable that they're going to be hard things along the way. And as the adults in the room, you're sometimes going to have your own stuff and you're sometimes going to get it wrong. Um, sometimes. And often. <laughs> and, and you need to set yourself free of that. And I, I think it's exactly the same for what we're talking about here, that that is part of the journey sometimes that you shared with your child and they were part of that. And it's okay. Uh, and I, we find ways to work with it and learn from it together. And that's a very beautiful thing. It was a heck of a lesson. The, yeah. That phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger really applies to me at least here and I've since started becoming a lot more conscious of my inner thoughts and patterns because as you say the 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 thoughts and the beliefs and the behaviors Mm. and I'm trying my best to inculcate the same thing in my children so my parenting style is about oops that maybe wasn't the best way to handle that situation how could we do that better next time Mm -hmm. I love that as well. I mean, that's what I try and do at home as well is be vulnerable. Absolutely. Don't let them, you know, I don't like the tail wagging the dog. But <laughs> when when I stuff it up, I'm the first one to stick my hand up and say, Shoof, there are definitely different ways we could have got to this. And if we as the parents don't apologize when we lose our stuff, mm. then they will never learn to be able to apologize. And they will grow up in this feeling that they can never make a mistake and that that is a lot of pressure to put on a child. Now I let my children see me cry. Whereas before, especially through the PND, I cut myself off and hid as much as I could. Now they see me cry. I don't want to say frequently, but Mm. whenever I I do have a really tough day and at Mm. the end someone pulls at the skirt and wants something and Mm. I just lose it, Mm. they know now that it's not about them. Mm. And I'll hear the conversation between the three of them and they'll say, well, mommy's had a tough day, you know, just leave her alone uh, for a bit. 
Sometimes or let's do something nice. No, it's usually give her space. But, <laughs> but yes, I wish it would be something nice. And sometimes they do. And sometimes they'll say, is there anything we can do for mm. you? You know, they're very little. So there's not much they can do except a hug, which they're is always what I They're empathy ask. that you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Which is such a gift and to them on the journey of their life. And they can be kind. Yeah. Because the kindness, I think, is the act. I don't know if you agree yes. with me. But the empathy to me is the feeling and the kindness is the act. And sometimes giving someone space is an act of kindness mm. because that's what she needs. But for them to know that a mom at the end of a long day losing it or a dad mm. or in anyone really is not something that they have done to cause it. It's nothing they should feel bad about. And for them to say, how can I help you? Mm. Let me be kind and understand that you're going through a bad thing and it'll be, it'll be over in half an hour. You know, go. She's, mommy's going to have a bath. At, at this point, they actually run baths for me uh, before they were too small. <laughs> what are the ages? Um, they are now 11, 9, and 6. Becoming useful. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have them. Jokes. I still won't trust them with the kettle. <laughs> yeah. I'll make my own tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so for someone listening that is maybe very emotional listening to this because they're like that's me mm. i hear myself i see myself i'm hiding away i am not connecting with people i'm connecting by myself and i'm journeying by myself i'm becoming insular where to from here please 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 speak to someone first whether it's your partner your parent your best friend please tell someone how you are feeling because Chances are you are not in a state of mind to be rational about it and to come up with a good action plan by telling someone they can help you to book an appointment with a professional, whether it's your GP or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Uh, you can phone plenty of, you know, Lifeline, uh, SADAG, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group uh, has a toll-free hotline especially for PND and also for other forms of mental stress. You can look for support groups. Mums Support Network in Durban is a fantastic one um, and they're online, mumsupport.co.za. But you might not be able to see these things. So that's why it's so important to tell someone you trust. That has got to be the first step. Mm -hmm. And if you can't put it into words, which I hazard a lot of people struggle with because I live, think and breathe words and I struggled with it. That's where go online, buy my book, <laughs> to find someone who has said it before because being able to say, this is what I'm going through here, read it, is a lot less threatening, a lot less, lot less vulnerable and often more impactful then you will be able to say it yourself. And I sometimes wonder if the reason the universe picked me to go through such a horrible thing, because everyone says, why me? Why me? Maybe it was because I could articulate it yeah. for all the people who can't. Yeah, Your story is a gift to share. Um, and, and now I can appreciate it. Yeah, sure. And I'm not saying it is an easy story, <laughs> yeah. but it's a, it's been, it sounds like it's been a gift for you. And in this conversation today, I know that it's a gift for so many people who read your book uh, or listen to this. So thank you for having the courage to share it. Sure. It's a lot, hey? Yeah. It's a lot. Because <laughs> I know what a normal day in the life of a mom is. And then you just add all that stuff on. Two extra children, a husband, a job, freelance, the mind, the soul, this beautiful belly. 
see people that can't fall pregnant, the guilt, Absolutely. the shame, Absolutely. the vulnerability. I mean, it just is this Ferris wheel of just mm. hecticness. Mm. Where can people get your book from? From www.laurenshapiro.co.za forward slash books. The ebook is also on Amazon. Fantastic. Lauren, thank you so much. Yeah, Go thank, well. And thank you touch. for having me. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. And please, please, please spread the word, spread the love and spread the kindness. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.